You're listening to Healing Voices Project, where we share stories and the latest information from people who fight addiction every day. I'm Mike Torville, your host and author of Voices from the Fallen. Thank you for listening, for following, and most of all, for sharing with people you care about. Make your voice count too. everybody. Thanks for joining us back at Healing Voices Project. Today, my guest is Maddie O'Malley from Empower Health Group. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I Great. appreciate it. Great having you. Yeah. Um, now, you are the owner and the CEO of Empower Health Group. I am. Yep. And you've had a, a little path uh, to get here. Uh, <laughs> so um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about your story. Sure. Uh, what... what um, brought you to where you are now, a little bit of your history, your experiences, okay. and, you know, certainly what, what people can learn from what you've gone through. And now, I mean, to your credit, uh, after all that you've gone through, um, years since you were mid-teens, 14, 15 years old. Started young. Yeah. Um, actually, nowadays, it's, you know, it's kind of late, which is concerning. But That's, that's you know, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you've... Um, <clears throat> had uh, certainly a progression yes. to become owner and CEO of Empower Health Group, which is um, at the point when, when we air this, will be freshly opened in Northampton, Massachusetts. Yes. Yeah. Um, walking tomorrow, um, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited. That's great. I'm excited to help people and, you know, yeah. um, try to make a difference and an impact. Well, you are already, and, and you have for years, because you also, from a few years ago, you were, you are. Um, yeah. Once you are, you always are a recovery coach. Correct. You're right. Yeah. Recovery coach, and you've been involved with different recovery centers, operating partner at Perennial, among others. Yeah. Um, so you've had some experience. You didn't just wake up and say, hey, I'm going to be the owner and CEO. You've had something that led you to where you are now at Empower. It, it, was, um, it was a learning experience. I, I've pretty much worked in every space in the treatment industry. Um, from a behavioral health technician to operations to housing to case management to business developments to understanding policies and procedures, licenses, compliance. And um, I've worked at numerous different places and it was kind of um, going to college, right? And understanding how these... Uh, this space actually works and not only works, but what's conducive to the patients, right? What's conducive to somebody that struggles with substance use disorder or alcoholism, right? And I've been able to have a firsthand experience on um, what is, you know, um, mo- what is more or less, you know, therapeutic and an actual method and an evidence-based me- method to treat patients mm-hmm. and what isn't. And I've been able to take that um, over time and collect all the data on it and God willingly um, implement it at Empower Health Group. Yeah, well, you've lived it, and so certainly you can relate on virtually every level Correct. of this. And so let, let's go back where, where this all started, Matt. Um, again, as we said, you were 14 yeah. years old, and you had a, a traumatizing experience. I did, yeah. yeah. But that was the that was the launching pad behind you know um, 
my progression, right? Mm -hmm. um, it what, happened. What, what, what happened? What happened actually? Is, so when I was 14, you know, so I grew up in a household where I had a mother that severely struggled with mental health and she had her own type of substance use disorder as well. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, my mom took a lot of uh, two week vacations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one would assume she was probably hospitalized or getting treated. Um, and before all that happened, you know, my mom, you know, um, God rest her soul and, you know, um, recovery is a beautiful process because now today, um, through the work I've done internally on myself, it's, it's, it's amazing how I could feel closer to my mother than I was when she was here on earth, right? Um, it's through, um, it's the spirituality component behind it. When I help somebody and uh, I put one foot in front of the other and I do the right thing, there's a presence there mm -hmm. um, and a true purpose, and that brings me closer to her. Um, it's, it's a, that helps it, to guide you too. It? It, yeah. It's my motivation. Yes. It's yeah. why I'm passionate and, yeah. um, you know, sometimes aggressive when it comes to getting people into the correct levels of care, why I take it so seriously. I know from a firsthand experience, um, what happens if it goes untreated, right? Um, and then, you know, the disease of addiction will take two for one, right? So um, it took my mother and then, you know, it took me shortly after um, for over a decade, you know? Um, but before that, right, like it was, um, look like I always, you know, uh, lived in a constant state of fear, um, I, you know. Not to interrupt you. Okay. Sure. Um, when your mother passed, yeah, who stepped in to bring her? Did you have a dad? Um, my dad is the um, hands down in my eyes one of the most incredible human beings mm -hmm. in, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but my father did what a father's supposed to do, right? And my dad went to um, work at eight o'clock in the morning and worked until eight o'clock at night. Um, I had, you know. Um, an amazing grandmother that would step in and arts and uncles that would step in and uh, they did their very best. Um, but there was a spiritual void inside of me. There was, of there was something that had to get filled. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, their best wasn't, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't good enough, but like my, you know, the disease of addiction is obsessive and compulsive and it was not it was going untreated so I had to do what I needed to do regardless of what was in my household as far as love um, so I um, you know by 15 years old I started you know um, on my own path of experimenting um, alcohol and drugs or um, alcohol start, and drugs what did it start with yeah um, so I started you know with alcohol and oxys and cocaine and <clears throat> um, perk 30s and um it wasn't, you know, long until, you know, um, the Perk 30s and the Oxys turned into heroin and, you know, um, you know, my drug of choice was more, right? Um, my drug of choice was anything that could numb um, reality, right? Um, numb the fact that my mother's not here. Numb the fact that I, you know, I missed her and I was scared of life on life's terms and I was scared of responsibilities and I was so insecure. Anything that could um, help me block that out. So it was, if I could indulge it and feel it and get instant gratification from it. And it progressed pretty quickly. Oh my God, age. yeah. It was, it was very quick. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, mind you, I started at 15, you know, by, you know, 
um, 17, I, you know, I pretty much had a needle in my arm. So, um, so you were in high school. I was, did yeah. You, did you complete high school? I did not. No. Um, As I would, a result of this, uh, I would, uh, it was yeah. It, it ran my life. It was yeah. rampant, um, and it you know tarnished you know um, the opportunity to complete high school or my relationships and my trust with my family and um, sports. You know, I was really into football and all that types of stuff. It tarnished that. Um, it, it's it's a true tornado that took everything away. It would take yeah. everything yeah. away, hmm. um, and I was okay with it. Do you have brothers or sisters? Um, so I have a sister. Um, I haven't spoke to my sister in quite a long time. She's um, older or younger? She's older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is due to the results of my addiction. Um, so, um, I'm sure there will be a time and a place where the, you know, a lot of that stuff can be mended, but it's a process still today, even in long-term recovery, right? Um, it's one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. um, staying in the moment and the today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And keeping yourself on that path. Correct. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, seventeen, you're shooting heroin, and like you said, it, it's just whatever can get you to numb that feelings, whatever it was. I don't think it sound didn't sound like you had a preference. Whatever it was that got you there. Correct. Um, where was that heading? I mean, I know where it was heading, but but how did it? How much worse did it get? Jails, institutions, and death. Okay. Um. um eight overdoses, fatal. Um, well, eight overdoses. Uh, yeah, so towards the end of my addiction, yeah. um, an overdose was a common thing with me. Um, mm -hmm. My father, you know, um, slept with his phone next to the pillow for quite a long time. Did you live with him at the time? Um, so, yeah, me and my father, you know, <laughs> yeah, we lived together, but, you know, God only knows where I was going to end up that day, you know. Um and, you know, as you know, um, so what happens is, is you go in and out of treatment um, and you think you could consume the same amount of drugs um, that, you know, your tolerance is used to. And you go and you go full force into it. Right. And, um, you know, as my you know process started to unfold, it obviously got so bad that, you know, I attempted treatment over and over again. I've been through numerous, numerous treatment facilities, um, numerous jail bids, um, numerous um, different pathways that, you know, might... And each of those times, whether it's the recovery or the attempts at recovery in the jail time, even the, the times you were in jail and out, that still didn't stop you from continuing to use? Absolutely not. I remember, you know, and I speak to, you know, some of the people that I'm close with in recovery and sponsees and sponsor and like, um, you know, the obsessive nature behind um, a drug addict or an alcoholic is so strong. I remember getting incarcerated and going in and the only thing I could think about, how long is it going to be until I could get out and use? Like, it was the only thing I could think about. It's that strong. It's that overwhelming. And I would think about that day in and day out until I was released. And the first thing I would do This is, is the day I've been waiting for. Is, this is the day I've been waiting yeah, for. Yeah. And it would be literally I would come up with some elaborate because my dad always tried to do everything he could to... You know, set boundaries, put me in scenarios where it was difficult for me to do it, but I knew he was going to do that. So I'd scheme and plot and, um, 
my family would do the same thing, and I'd scheme and I'd plot. And, you know, the first thing I would do is figure out how to go see the guy and get what I needed because I could not live with my emotions. I could not do it. It was that strong. After one overdose, <clears throat> you didn't learn. It, no. It turned into eight. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what happened after the eighth one? And you said it was fatal. Obviously, you're here, but it was near fatal. Um, so you came extremely close to death, probably more than once. Numerous times. Yeah. The way I used um, was extremely dangerous because um, you got to keep in mind what I was running from, right? I was running from my mother, right? Um, and I wanted to be with my mother. So I used in such a dangerous way where it was the way my mind, my alcoholic and drug addict mind justified it was if the disease takes me, I'm going to be with her. So and that's it, an okay outcome. Then that's an okay yeah. outcome. And yeah. if it doesn't take me, I'm not going to feel that Either she's way, not with me. You're better so, off than you were. As so in, in your point, in your mind, you're better off than... than it, it was insane the, the way I justified it, and it yeah. caused very extreme and progressive and dangerous um, um, obsessive and compulsive habits. Hmm. The last one, did yes. that turn? Did that change things? Um. It was the last one for a reason. It, it, it did. <laughs> it, it did. You know. It did change things. Yeah. I remember. Um, so. Um, I got rushed to the hospital and I was in Melrose Wakefield Hospital and my father was with me and But well, let me let me go back when you overdosed that eighth time. Where was it? Who found you? How did you end up in the hospital? I overdosed in Woburn, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the disease of addiction is a crazy thing. Uh, me and the girl that we were dating at the time had an overdose protocol. Um, and, and, and this is things where, that are discussed between drug addicts, right? Um, it's, you know, if one of us does overdose because we're going to overdose, right? Kick me out of the car, knock on me, and call 911. Vice versa. And then go away. And go. Yeah. And wait for me to call you and come pick me up so we could continue to use. That's, that's the madness behind the disease, right? Um, so I had, you know, it was my turn that week. Um, so I had overdosed in Woburn, Massachusetts, and I had been brought to Melrose Wakefield Hospital. By who? Um, by paramedics. Who found you on the street? Correct. Okay. Um, so I had been brought to Melrose Wakefield Hospital, and in Melrose Wakefield Hospital, they have an amazing staff there, and they have a, um, a unit there. Um, that is, you know, um, a holding for people that have, you know, drug problems and everything like that. Um, and um, it, my, my dad came there, and it, I don't know what it was, but it was, um, you know, he was ready, you know, to accept the fact that he was going to lose his wife and his son to the same thing, and he was in tears, and it was just how broken he was that um, I knew something had to give um, but another thing happened in that point in time is that um, I was still high at the time and I you know I noticed that I could not um, were you given Narcan I was you were okay I yeah. was um, 
it was that scenario and the fact that I was high and the drugs were stopping stopping to do what I needed them to do. Um, I was high and I felt all these emotions and I felt the fact that my mother wasn't with me and I felt all of these things that I was running from. Sounds like you felt the, the pain your father was going through also. I mean, yeah, it was, it was profound. It was powerful and it was sad. Um, and then my dad, um, <laughs> um, he was always, God, you know, God bless that man. He was always trying to find a solution. Um, and he had been working with a gentleman that got me a scholarship um, to a facility in Florida. And um, this guy came to the hospital, picked me up, drove me to the Cape, kept me hostage in the Cape until I could get on the plane. He wasn't before. letting you out of his sight. He wasn't. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, I went to Florida, and I, I went to treatment, and... Um, it was a place in Florida that I ended up actually working for um, after I graduated treatment. Um, it was called Simple Path. Recovery. How long were you in the treatment for? So that time I stayed for about 90 days. I did the full, you know, I did detox. Well, I did detox, I did residential, and then I did a 90-day clinical stay. Okay. Um, which is, you know, detox is a medical necessity with then residential is medical with a splash of clinical clinical but, is where it happened. But I have to ask you, and again, you've been through this. This wasn't the first time you were in a treatment center. No. What changed this time? Was it that realization, that, that awareness that you had about your dad and things? What changed, what was different that time versus the previous times? Everything was the same, but it wasn't, right? It was just so like, it's a process, right? The problem with the disease of addiction is that mm -hmm. some people don't make it through the process. Right, um, I had reached ground zero, and I, um, um, I just knew something else had to give. I had to, you know, I knew, you know, what changed was is that my, my, my drugs were not doing their job anymore. So I knew I had to do something else to live with these emotions. Your ground zero, um, you survived your ground zero. A lot of people don't. Correct. Their ground zero is death. And you miraculously came out of this because you, you're uh, right there, right there. So you you went through this treatment in <clears throat> in Florida. Yes. Came out, and uh, your dad was up in Massachusetts still. Yes. And so you eventually said, "Hey, I'm I'm coming home." How did that go? Um. So that's not how it went. <laughs> <laughs> that's feeling, not. Yeah. Um, I'm done. So um, yeah. I completed yeah. treatment. Yeah. Um. And then I told my dad I was coming home. Um, and he said, I don't think that's a good idea, son. I think you should stay down there for longer, and you know what happens when you come home. I'm like, all right, um, but I'm coming home. So I got home. Is it because you felt determined and past that? Do you, you felt that confident, or you just didn't have anywhere else to go? Well, to be completely honest, yeah. um, so... Um, I had a reservation is what I had. So I went to treatment and in treatment I learned a lot about my emotions and coping skills and everything like that. Um, and it worked, right? It was the seed that was planted that allowed me to go, but I still had this one last reservation. So my mind started obsessing again um, and I did what I do. I schemed and I plotted and I came home. It was the middle of the winter and uh, I used one more time. <laughs> 
And when I did that last use, um, it just wasn't the same. It was just like why? What, what was because my lacking. recovery? Yeah, spoiled my get high. It was the information that I had inquired in treatment that provided guilt, remorse, empathy, things that were missing before. Correct. Right. So my recovery messed up my get high, and. Um, it really messed it up because after that use, I never used again. After that one time, I never used again. And I, I went into a soba house um, in Lynn, Massachusetts, right? I went all over the place trying to get clean, right? Um, I got clean in the soba house on Essex Street in Lynn, Mass. And I don't know if you've ever heard about Lynn, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's not the most... Uh, it's riddled with drugs. It's, you know, a crime city. Um, Your temptations got, were um, pretty vast there. It I was, guess, it was yeah. vast, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, the recovery was so strong there because, you, know, you know, there was a place called the No Matter What Club, and the guys at the house would go, you know. So, mind you, before I started going to meetings, what I learned in treatment um, messed up my get high, and then I kept on going to meetings, and it enhanced my recovery, and my recovery became stronger than my disease. Mm. That's the that pivotal point, right? When yes. when when that happens. Correct. And you you obviously reach that and that's like you said earlier, it's a process to get there. It's um, yeah. It's, 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 it's not oh I'm going to treatment, I'll be back, everything's gonna be fine. Mind you, treatment yeah, you know, over and over again and then all of a sudden it's it takes one it the the crazy thing is it takes one person to um it was one person in particularly that like said something to me that like really registered that oh, changed then that's my the life. case. Yeah. What was that? Um. So uh, when I was down there, um, I don't know why this was the thing that like resonated with me, but um, he said, "Look, it." He goes, um, "What you're doing is the most selfish thing in the whole entire world because when you leave here from the disease." you're going to leave everybody that has been beside you the whole entire time and they're going to be in pain for the rest of their lives. And that registered. And then I was like, uh, you know, it's, you know, it was, it was just, I couldn't deal with thinking about my father living the rest of his life, you know, with two of his family members checked off the list. It's just, couldn't do it and then you know he said to me he goes uh he goes and and not to mention you've been everywhere he goes can i explain something to you and i'm like yeah sure he goes um if i throw a pig in in a box with lipstick on and i mail it somewhere what is it when it gets there and i go um i don't know a pig in a box he goes it's a pig in a box with lipstick and he goes no matter where you go you're going to take your insanity with you if you don't treat it Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, wow, okay, he's got a valid point. It's mm-hmm. been very proven that you can't I'm taking... disguise this or mask it, mm-hmm. change it, right? It Cur- is what it is. What it is, yeah. Yeah. So um, I started to be open to change, and you know, all those things, you know, those repetitive quotes and those groups, and you know, those things that I was so, you know, you ignored to. earlier, right? I opened or dismissed, up, yeah, and you know. Um, an open mind, really. It's just these, these quotes that are, are rehearsed almost at meetings and stuff like that. Willingness, open-mindedness, honesty, right? 
honesty was the antidote to my disease, right? You hold the keys to your freedom the whole entire time. How long do you want to lie about what's going on inside of you? That's, that's, see, that's a good quote. Honesty is the antidote to your disease. Yeah. That's, that's a, that makes a lot of sense. It is. Yeah. In the uh, disease, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, there was an old timer in the, in the Lynn, you know, meetings, and he said, you know, honesty is the antidote to the disease to your disease and the disease dies in the light of exposure. You know, when I share it on a group level, when I get honest about the things I don't want to get honest about, um, I open myself up for some real help, you know? Then other things started to change too. I mean, you worked, you um, became a recovery coach. I mean, not right away, but what led to you becoming a recovery coach? Um. So I have an amazing support network. Mm -hmm. um, when I came back and I got embedded inside the community in the North Shore, um, I had some really incredible people that gave me some really incredible guidance and loved me and, you know, um, built me up. Um, and I became very passionate about my feelings. Uh, I spoke with conviction. Um, I was very, you know, once I started, you know, being honest on, at a group level and seeing that people still love me for me, mm -hmm. not for the fake Maddie or the person that I would give you to protect the real Maddie. Um, it was contagious. And, you know, um, I would do all kinds of advocacy work and, you know, um, people started to hit me up and be like, hey, can you get me into detox? Hey, can you do this? And I'd spend time doing it. And, um, the mothers of the recovery community is, you know, really who moved me into um, doing that because they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And then you started, I would think, to say, hey, I have some value here. Hey, I can contribute. I can help other people. Correct. Once you started recognizing that, it must have changed. Yeah, well. Giving you the motivation, right? There's not a better feeling. Like, I thought getting high was a good feeling until I experienced getting somebody into treatment mm -hmm. and then getting a message from them a couple of months later, like, hey, that you know, thank you for doing that. You know, like, I'm doing okay. And you feel like I really helped save someone's life, help re repair a, a broken family, the things you've experienced that you've prevented or helped or in some way I like to say <laughs> yeah. um, uh. if I take the glory out my head will blow up and I'll you know float out <laughs> of this building but I like to say I played a part you're right I played a part yeah. and because the you know people led me to the water but I had to drink it right I had to put one foot in front of the other and do the work right so I could give people the blueprint they have to run with it. And, and I think from the other side of family members, people who don't understand it as much, they get impatient, don't understand that. Why did it take you eight overdoses? Why did you have to go through multiple treatment centers? Why, what's wrong with you, Maddie? How the hell can't you just get, you know, the, there's an impatience and a misunderstanding among many people. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's because the disease is self-centered fear and stubbornness. Mm -hmm. You have to run out of every lie. You have to manipulate every system. You have to, um, hopefully, you know, for me, I had to tell every lie. I had to manipulate every system. I had to run out of all options, mm -hmm. that there was one way, death or recovery. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way, but more times than not, that's the way that it is. Right. Um, 
and that's why you know people are like what is going on because it takes some time we, right. we can get creative you know people who don't understand often get frustrated um, and I didn't I'm understanding it more but I haven't experienced it other with members of our family and friends certainly but unless you've lived it there's a there's a disconnect yeah you know it's um, um, it's hard to understand yeah it's hard to understand and and now with your passion with your with your energy <laughs> now and we're gonna jump ahead a little bit but yeah. but now you are as we said earlier not only you remained in this field as a recovery coach and helping people but you've opened up your own treatment center called Empower Health Group. Yeah. And that is opening now in Northampton. You're the owner, the CEO. The, yeah. And as you said the earlier, janitor, you've the, been involved uh, with every aspect of this. Yeah. And um, so um, tell us a little bit about Empower and, and what's happening there. Um, so we are a, um, we're going to be licensed as a um, substance use um treatment center um, with the state of Massachusetts and BSAS, um, which will be pr uh, primarily treating um, alcoholism and um, addiction um, with various different methods that have been proven to work, evidence-based clinical mm -hmm. um, methods. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're also going to be um, licensed downstairs through the Department of Mental Health okay. and being able to do mental health primary. Yep. Um, and as you had mentioned, I remember we were speaking earlier, Empower Health Group, the signs is Empower Health Group. Yeah. And that is deliberate in a way that it doesn't say, this is an addiction center, this is substance abuse recovery, because you recognizing the stigma and the reticence of certain people to say, I'm gonna walk in there. You, you just, it's a little bit less intimidating? Correct. Yeah. It's, um, um, it's supposed to be a safe place where people feel comfortable going, mm -hmm. right? There's no need to smack a, you know, a sign out front saying, hey, this is where um, alcoholics and drug addicts and people with mental health come throughout the day. It's where all the, they, they all hang out and what's, um, what's stay away, right? Yeah. right. Um, and <clears throat> so your, your path obviously led you to um, owning, managing. Now you've got staff worked out and you've hired yeah. some people and so you've got a lot of work like you said you've been involved with every level of this uh, even as these even as the janitor so every single aspect of this you're you're diving into yes yeah yeah that's it, great it's it's incredible and it's yeah. you know like I was telling you before I have uh, helped open up five different facilities okay yeah. um, at all levels um, so I've I've had a first-hand experience on what works and what doesn't work yeah um, and to be honest with the industry nowadays, what people are billing for insurance for mm -hmm. and what is actually clinically necessary to help people. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's from a professional standpoint. And yeah. then also going into treatment so many times myself and having a firsthand experience on what worked and what doesn't work. Yeah, and you certainly can relate. And I know a couple of people that are working with you now. One who's been on our show, Adam. Uh, Great oh guy. God. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, incredible yeah Adam's yeah. a great guy and, and we'll have him back and and, yeah. and um, um, so I congratulate you Maddie in fact th thank you very much and I appreciate you. what you're doing and uh, this is fantastic um, and so empower health group is empowerhg.com empowerhg.com correct empowerhg.com so 
Um, so if you're listening, um, please visit EmpowerHG.com. And again, thank you, Matt, uh, for coming on, telling your story. Yeah. Uh, we'll be visiting again, and we're going to talk more about Empower Health Group. Sure. Thanks again for coming. And thank thanks, you. everybody, for listening. See you all soon. I appreciate it. Thank you.